welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Money. Money tells the story of Frank Simbali, played by Eric Stoltz, who was orphaned at a young age and had been living off an unknown benefactor. Shortly after being cut off, he is given a strange letter stating that his parents were worth $50 million and he is being robbed. Frank hires a private detective and sets off on a mission of financial revenge. Screenplay by Larry Peterson and Gordon Robach, directed by Stephen Hilliard Stern, and released on April 17, 1991. You have not seen money before. No. Yeah, this I don't I don't know how It looks like it was released in France and Canada. Yeah, I don't know how widespread it is in America if at all. This I, is like millions. It yeah, it has a millions vibe to it, but um, it's really tough to say which one's better. In I think I like millions more to me, to be honest. <laughs> there are certain aspects of millions that I liked better, <laughs> and then there are certain aspects of this that I like better, and they're kind of competing against each mm. other. There is a DVD release of this, but I could not find proof that there was a US VHS copy. So when this hit, um, I think, yeah, it was largely France and Canada, and then later down the line, because of the star power of it, you know, someone said, hey, let's pushed out the door when everything was starting to get converted to DVD. Mm-hmm. So that's really the, the only official way to watch it, but it is available on YouTube, uh, which is where we saw it. Um, it's an interesting movie because it is very much like Millions, except it had more of the business moves that I was kind of looking for from Millions, Yeah, but not really done very well in this. A lot of the business moves that there were going through it didn't really have the uh the intrigue cat and mouse feel that i was hoping for what the movie seemed like it was trying to achieve yeah Yeah. it was more um i don't know more much more transactional than i don't know tension building it's a lot of let's get together and buy stocks and then we're going to force this guy to sell his stocks to us so that we can manipulate things and make him lose market share and money and all this kind of stuff and it's just not all that interesting to watch i guess it's more near the end but what what's really weird is that they make it seem like getting millions upon millions of dollars is super super easy for this guy frank um so in the early part of the movie Uh, There's this weird scene about him at a party, and I think it's just meant to show that he's kind of reckless with his cash, that he doesn't really care about his, the fortune that he's been given. Yeah, and then he finds out that, was it a friend that died? 
I guess so. Yeah, he's looking for this person named Annalise at this massive party, like very crowded house. And I don't know why he's trying to find her necessarily. Yeah. Um, but he breaks down this door to a room and finds her dead. And that sort of is the impetus for the next scene where this guy Morph is essentially his advisor or something of a guardian to him. Uh, he's the one who gives him the money from this benefactor, this unnamed benefactor, um, who basically says, you have to leave Europe. We don't want, you know, like whatever is going on with this lady. We don't want your name in the press because you're kind of a high profile figure. You need to leave Europe. Here's a lump sum. We're cutting you off financially now and get out of the country. Mm-hmm. And they're using Annalise as this catalyst for this. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know much beyond that, and I think that's sort of a recurring theme of this movie is that you have this narrator that gives a little bit of background information, but it's kind of like a children's book type of narration, um, or yeah, a shitty I mean, documentary. Yeah, I wonder because this is based off of a novel. It's just probably the narrator reading like a paragraph that was actually in the book. <laughs> Like, now is blah blah and we're going over here. And then yeah, it's, it'll it's be weird. like, Frank, when, when Frank was a child, this and that. Yeah, it, it's really weird, it's like, like, one and two sentence things. Like, and Frank decides to go back to Hong Kong to thank this guy for the gold transaction thing. Yeah, and then or, it's like, why do we need that narration when we're about to literally see it? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, why do you have to build that up? I think part of it is sometimes he, he's bouncing across many, many locations in this yeah. movie. A lot of different countries. And a lot of it just does not seem motivated. And so sometimes the narration helps for that where he's like, uh, but before Frank decides to do this, he's going to return to his childhood home. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, but why? So, I mean, it explains that, okay, he's not progressing the story. He's going to go on a diver- divergent path or he's going to do this other thing that wasn't talked about in the dialogue. But there's really no real explanation as to why he's doing the things that the narrator is saying that he's doing. Um, Or there's certain sentences where he says, and Frank wonders if he'll ever see her again. Talking about, like, the the first major woman that he comes across in in this movie. Yeah. Um, So that's sort of our cue as an audience to say, oh, yeah, she's gone. Like, don't, you know... I know we're like 30 minutes in, but don't expect this character to come back, uh-huh. <laughs> which is really weird. Um, so there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in terms of the structure. And yeah, I think it's partly, it's not just one book, actually. I saw it's three different books starring yeah. this character, Frank Zimbali. And I don't know if this covers just the first book or if it's supposed to be kind of like a combo Trilogy. of all yeah. three and they're trying to put way too much into this. Um like a V.I. Warshawski, because that's like... Yeah, that were they going was... to make it a series, or were they trying to just kind of condense everything into One a single movie. package? Yeah. But um, there is a lot that happens in this, and don't get attached to characters or scenarios for too long, because they just... They're, they're sort wrong. of like millions. They, yeah, you know, they're like just millions. like, they're just they sort come of there and for then they go, and, and then you don't even know where they go. Yeah. And I wanted some of them to come back. I thought that they were going to have a 
bigger part. Like, let's talk about Miriam Dabo's character, Sarah yeah. Waltkins. Um, so, when leaving Europe, Frank goes to Nairobi, goes to Kenya, uh, just to get a fresh start. And the reason why he goes there is because he saw a billboard on the side of the road while going to the airport and said, ah, you know what, I'm going to go to Kenya. Yeah. He goes there with no money, but we'll talk about that maybe in a second. But uh, he, he meets this girl um, or sees her at this hotel, tries to find her. Turns out she works and lives at the hotel and they have an interaction, hit it off really well. And then, you know, some other stuff happens and Frank starts to build his fortune again on his own. And he's off in Hong Kong for this other business transaction. And Sarah's there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why is she there? Did she know about this? Did Frank tell her about this? Like, is she this, part of the yeah. plot? Is yeah. she going to work against him? That's I know that she's like a Bond girl. I was like, is this like a James Bond thing? Like, is she a spy? Yeah, I mean, because they're trying to set up this intrigue thing with the whole, you know, secret letter saying, oh, you're worth 50 to $60 million, but you only got $300,000, so you're getting robbed by somebody. Um, you're being robbed by your parents' friends. Um so they set up this whole intrigue thing with the private detective and all this other stuff and um, they present him as a very charming type of a person like a James Bond but no physical attributes in terms of you know combat training or yeah, guns there's or no, whatever none of that there's not yeah there's no action really it's all mental gymnastics yeah and power until, plays yeah not even till the end <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's little parts, yeah, there, there's little parts that go on, but I think what, what makes it difficult is that you don't see any sort of counter moves from the other side. Mm -hmm. So you see Frank building his wealth upon wealth by, you know, I guess setting up the dominoes, but yeah, it's just not very satisfying in that way. But to sort of quickly go back to the whole Sarah point, you know, the fact that she was in Hong Kong without any sort of explanation when she should have been in Kenya and, you know, working at the hotel that she works at and just like magically there uninvited because he was surprised that she was there. Right? Yeah. So like, why is that not explained? And there's a lot of things that are like that where, it's, you know, okay. you think that yeah, bigger then... things are going to happen than actually happen. And he, he went to Nairobi on a whim. Mm -hmm. So it's like... Did these people know that he was going to go there? Yeah, how did he get the letter? That was the other thing. Who that, knew that he was there that's, to give him that letter? Yeah, I was like, well, unless the person that he was speaking to that was like, hey, where are you going to go? And he's like, uh, Nairobi or whatever. And so, like trickled through the great line. Yeah, they were like, oh, he's morph. going to Nairobi. <laughs> but it, Yeah, it must be. I was like, how did, how did she, I mean... If she's already, like, fo sort of following him around, did she give him the letter? <laughs> like, I don't even know. Right. Because yeah, he like, just, like, randomly got the letter. Yeah, I wondered, like, maybe she was a something of a plant or yeah. involved in some way. Maybe she sent the letter and, you know, it's sort of like a situation in Millions where um, uh, Billy Zane's dad's mistress was sort of playing both sides. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe it was going to be something like that, but no, it, she's just there <laughs> for eye candy here and there. Um, 
I, I do appreciate that he wasn't like a... Sleeping around and Yeah, stuff. like a Lothario type of character. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, he had what seemed like possibly a genuine connection to this girl. I don't know. It wasn't enough screen time to really know for sure, but it wasn't, you know, a pure fling, right? Uh, or, you know, like a... Just or, like a Yeah, maybe it did happen, thing. but they didn't show it. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't bouncing to different women after that i mean there's only one other major woman character who comes in very late like the last 15 20 minutes who has a higher credit on the credits list anna lupino played by anna kenicus um but they don't really hook up romantically so unlike james bond in that way too Mm -hmm. the but yeah there's a lot of characters i thought were gonna be important because they're introduced early on and there's not like Joaquim the safari guy when he arrives in Kenya okay and you know he's like I need to take you on a safari and he's like I have absolutely no money I'm completely broke yeah which is true because he takes that $300,000 and gives it to a flower girl at the airport saying send this to this person like send this much worth of flowers to this person so basically, he's like starting from scratch for his own free will. I don't know why he's doing that. I don't know. I mean, it's partly to show he's like irresponsible with money, I guess, um, or reckless with money at that time, that he doesn't care about it, but he does clearly at the end of this movie. I don't know. It was a weird situation. But he meets Hoakim, and he's like, it would be a very bad idea to like refuse me. And then, like, he partners with Hoakim. And it's mm-hmm. like, I want to be your business partner. I can help you get clients. Because I'm, like, really good. I don't know. I thought he would, like, come into play somehow. I don't know. Like, why like have those the, sequences? Uh, yeah, all these people that he met along the way. Unless they to show... They just came and went. Except yeah. for maybe, you know, the guy that he hired... They're doormats, yeah. Except for yeah, yeah except for the PI Mark Lavater. Yeah, he's in his a lot, but it's like everything. Everyone else that he's come along the way for this, they just come and go. But they spend you know significant time with some of these characters, and it's weird that they're just gone out of nowhere. Right. It, they don't. Yeah, they don't resolve these relationships he has with these people mostly. No. Not until, like, the very end with one person. Yeah. Yeah. So They're basically stepping stones, I guess, to say, oh, I'm starting with nothing. I'm going to work very smallly in small potatoes with this safari guy, get a couple bucks here and there, which will allow me to make my next bigger move and do all this other stuff. And then, like, some major thing happens, and I don't know how that even comes about. Like, they show him, like, with a plane full of gold bars <laughs> that he's selling to somebody. They never explain like where these where this came yeah. from. <laughs> how he got the connections to do this. But, you know, he had that and now he has money and now he's being invited to Hong Kong to see Mr. Hawk about some major million dollar deal in Geneva with gold. Like, okay. Yeah, how is he I don't know. It's like how is he gonna sell gold? Like how do you 
Whatever. It's like, it. this is, like, we're just using other movies. This is like a Rage in Harlem where they just had, like, a whole thing of gold they wanted to sell. Yeah. I mean, that was part of a robbery that they yeah. established at least early but it's on. Like, but, like, yeah, how did he, yeah. find out where did he get this? Like, who has gold bars lying around? Like, who, how does know. he know who to connect with? To, to get, get gold bars. the gold bars and, like, I don't know. Like, clearly it doesn't seem like it was one of Joaquin's things. So, uh, there's steps missing there. Um, and then, yeah, Mr. Hawk in Hong Kong, he's, you know, helping out with this weird deal. I don't know. Like, Hawk will give him $2.5 million in order to carry out some sort of operation in Geneva where he's, like, transferring gold to a specific bank and doing whatever else. I don't know. Um, and then he leverages that to do something else. And then the whole thing with Mr. Hawk never really resan... <laughs> I don't know. He goes back to Mr. Hawk, according to the narrator, to, you know, thank him for the gold thing. Yeah, why lands didn't... Lands in a helicopter. <laughs> why didn't the narrator just be like, oh, Frank got the gold from blah blah and now he's off to Hong Kong. Yeah, like, yeah, if you're going to have a narrator, use him to fill in some of the gaps. Yeah, and don't just tell us what we're about to see. It's like, now Frank is going to go to Hong Kong. It's like, okay, we we see that. Yeah, it says Hong Kong on the bottom of the screen. <laughs> it said Hong Kong. But I think what was really weird about the, the return to Hong Kong is that he's like, yeah, I'm going to thank Mr. Hawk. He, get, he lands in this helicopter at his place, goes out of the helicopter to thank him, sees them both dead. Yeah. <laughs> They're like and the bloody way... and like dead and he just like runs back to the helicopter. He's like, go, go, go. And like, that's end of scene. No explanation. But the <laughs> way else. that one of them was dead had oh, me laughing. He was hanging from his feet, but he was dead. And I was like, Where, how did he die? Yeah. <laughs> like, was he just hanging? Did they torture him by hanging him from his feet? And I mean, then he was dangling like, like... I, think, I think there was blood on both of them, right? Yeah. So they were like probably cut up while he was like hanging. But it was still. just like him dangling back and forth from his feet with yeah, blood I don't know, whatever. I don't know if he was like tortured hanging from his know. feet for and I, X amount of hours. I don't know who's responsible for that death. The narrator doesn't say Yeah, they don't say they like, never mention it. What again. the hell happened there? Like was it, you know this secret society that frank is going after or was it something else yeah they don't show the this is i'm like i was wondering like who would want to see this movie because they don't show any action they don't show um that scene of these guys getting killed it's the same people who would want to watch millions like there's the I mean, the, business intrigue can be okay, good. Okay, I guess. Yeah, like a Walt... I know this is yeah, like, like a Wall, Wall Street, Street type, type of thing. But I was like... I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, why don't they show... Stuff leading up to that. Even like at the end. I don't know, I keep talking about the end. But it's just like, even with the end, where it was finally like hardcore tension. I was like, oh my god, is something gonna happen? Right? <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then it just stopped. And then it basically. ended. Then I was, you know, like the same thing with Millions. I, I was wondering, was this like a TV movie for France or like Canada? I don't think so. I know. I think there was a TV version of it. And it's like. Because there was someone in the IMDb. That maybe? maybe we watched the TV version. I don't know. 
Um, it, in the U.S., it got a PG-13 rating, so I guess that was probably granted when the DVD was released. But in the credits, there is someone listed in the uncredited, you know, like, they're not in the actual credits of the movie mm -hmm. at the end, but on IMDb, there's an uncredited person who says that she only appears in the TV version of it. But there's no notes about what the alternative version would look like or what was cut out, yeah. what scenes were added, so on and so forth. So it sounds like they might have added something for a TV version to even pad it out longer, which may have been great if we would have seen that. Um, tough to say which version we actually saw. When they had the, the brief love scene in there with you know Sarah and, and Frank, it was basically just two heads on the screen, and that's yeah, all you could see. Yeah, and so, that's... I thought that was weird, and that's where I was thinking, are we watching a TV movie and they only want to show, like, shadows of two bodies, like, coming together or something? Yeah, and that's one of the detriments to, of like, watching imply... certain things on YouTube is that, yeah. you know, maybe it is edited slightly, or maybe we did watch the TV version and that scene may be slightly different on the DVD. If anyone out there has experience, let us know. Yeah, and then it's just, like, the opposite, like, in millions. There's, like, naked people all around. <laughs> and that's why I was, I don't know, I mean, it could just be, you know. Yeah, I would not expect nudity with the PG-13 rating, though, so. Was mil Millions was R. Millions was R. Okay. If it was rated at all. I mean, for sure, there's a lot of, a lot of. Adult yeah, just, content in that. Yes, yeah, just drugs. Naked people. Well, I don't want to say naked, naked people, people around. Just yeah, the nudity <clears throat> was there. A lot. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, here it's just confusing financial plot points, but yeah, he, he he bounces from person to person. So he goes from Mr. Hawk to this person named the Turk, mm -hmm. where he's trying to use the gold transaction from Mr. Hawk in order to buy this restaurant promissory note. Uh, that the Turk owns and at this point like the the PI has been giving him certain information so he knows like some of the key players of who's involved of this whole situation and so you know he, he's basically trying to buy this Frank is trying to buy this restaurant note in order to put one of these people out of business um, and so yeah and he uses his friend Ute as bait, who we get introduced to in that opening party scene. So I guess that's another reason for that scene to exist, is to also say, hey, I have this friend. Um, because Ute is, you know, this this woman, and the Turk really likes women. <laughs> and that's like a weakness, according to the narrator. Mm -hmm. And that whole scene was kind of weird. And I, I mean, I, I don't understand why some of those interactions happened just because Ute was present. It seemed like he was so enthralled with the fact that this woman was in the same room as him that he's basically telling Frank he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Uh, so that was really strange. <clears throat> and, and then, yeah, again, he's trying to sort of manipulate... He's basically telling uh, the Turk that he should buy, you know, gold against the dollar or something or other because whatever is going to happen... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he knows that because of like whatever he did with Mr. Hawk and the banks, I guess. And that's being used to sort of like leverage and bankrupt the restaurant, so it has to be put up for not like, like I said, there are moves that are happening here, but they're so transactional that it's kind of, I don't know, they're just not interesting. <laughs> and, right. You know, 
Like maybe if you really had like a, a strong think, eye for yeah, finance, if people then are maybe like you'd really be like, oh, into wow, like really finance. Yeah, like finance drama. I don't know. But for the layman, it's kind yeah. Of like, you're like I don't. I need X percent of stock buybacks right. in order to leverage this to make this happen. Like okay. Like, yeah, I don't it. know this stuff, so someone would have to like explain it to me as if I was five years old. I mean, you can. <clears throat> Like, Wolf like, of Wall Street is, like, you know, or Wall like, Street. Yeah. <laughs> you can understand some of the tension of that because it's put into more common terms or, you know, just situational things. This is, yeah, very... Like um, an encyclopedia for finance people. I have no idea. Yeah, it's not exactly, like, textbook type of dialogue necessarily, but it's not, you know... Like, if you don't know anything about finance or... Wall Street or stocks or whatever, you're you're just sitting there like okay, like I yeah. don't know. Like, That's how this I, sounds important. Yeah, I, but I don't <laughs> even know what they're saying because I don't know any of these words yeah. <laughs> that are put together. <laughs> so, oh, that all happens. How come the the narrator didn't just say, "Oh, by the way, this means this"? I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, stop the movie. Put up like a child's diagram of like, here's how money works. Kind and, of like, you know, um, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Kind of like um. You know. Okay. Yeah. So this. Yeah. I mean, if we were watching like The Big Short, and it was something like, I know that's like a comedy drama. This is just like straight up. Yeah, but Adam McKay is not afraid to just sort of stop the narrative to explain key concepts to you in the big short. Right. <laughs> Which is just, what this movie kind of needs at a couple yeah, different times. I, I needed that. Yeah. Something need the like the big short. Sort of chime in. And... But yeah, again, moving from one person to another, like the Turk comes into play later on. He's one of the more recurring characters, which is odd, honestly. And then he's like, makes this big deal how he wants to meet this guy, Robert Zara, in the Bahamas. Who's a very, very dangerous man, apparently. And for some reason, when we meet him, he's wearing a neck brace that's completely unexplained. This Robert the, Zara. The ailments like, in these movies oh had me God. cracking up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. It's, okay. <laughs> yeah, the neck brace is never explained, but basically, Zara, he wants. Frank wants Zara to. Um, I don't know. <laughs> me neither like, he wants him, like, like, I don't know what's going on he wants him to do something <laughs> yeah. in order to like bankrupt two more people uh-huh. and what Robert Zara instead does is he basically like creates a political coup in order to privatize those businesses so they're in control of the government <laughs> so like that's that's the way that it's done in, in the Bahamas or whatever I guess is like he this Zara guy like creates this political coup and mm-hmm. you know basically takes over these businesses from these other people. So it's it's weird political intrigue, but it like it happens like in a snap. It happens in like a news clip. Um, we don't get to see Robert Zara put the pressure on anybody. We don't see any of this stuff. We just hear about the end result. Mm-hmm. And then from there he goes to another person and like uses the Turk to uh, deal with this. Florida condo deal and this these two guys Fazali and Aziz have like two hundred fifty dollars million worth of two hundred fifty dollars two hundred fifty million dollars <laughs> worth of buildings that they're gonna want to like yeah. buy and try to leverage the the condo market in Florida. So I mean, like every step is bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and involving new people, new characters, and Castless is massive in this thing. 
And then meanwhile, the private eye is finding some documents that are signed by, uh, I think it's Martin Yall. I think we, yeah. I mean, we learn later, but it's really tough yeah. to tell because you can't see who, you, you can't tell whose signature it is on the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but basically Nazi documents signed by one of these yes. people. Yes, and, that, and that's where I was like, oh, we're going somewhere, but then it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it comes up in the end. The Nazi thing, that's sort of like how he kind of that's unravels. What, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, maybe this was meant to be, like, there was a sequel that was meant to happen. Maybe. Because the way it just ends, it But I don't like, know who else you would go after, after finding the that end out. of this is done. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, yeah, Frank basically gets what he wants, it seems, and then he's good. I don't know. He's like, all right, well, this all happened, and I'm rich again. I have the monies. And that's another weird thing. It's like, obviously, again, it's not about the money for him, but it kind of is, because he's making millions upon millions of dollars out of nowhere, like, really easily. But his goal is not to just amass this massive fortune. It's to take everything away from the people who robbed his father. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is, because his dad died at a young age his mother he died was, at birth yes yeah, so he was six years old and so um when his father died and he blames these people for it but we see the flashback and his father is talking to somebody on the phone and then like shortly after has a heart attack or like right. immediately after has a heart attack so and yeah him, whatever yeah. he heard on the phone might have been disturbing but they didn't like physically have anything to do with this like death. whatever news he got over the phone just stressed him out so much that it caused him to have a heart attack but him as a six-year-old he's looking at his father through like a crack in a door Mm -hmm. like yelling on the phone or whatever and then he sees his father have this quick heart attack and fall to the floor yeah i I mean i was laughing during that part because just the acting for that was hilarious and then it was like this dubbed over voice for this six-year-old kid that sounded like a young woman going daddy are you okay yeah and then that, that was it <laughs> yeah daddy and, wake up or something like that um and, yeah <laughs> and then yeah the, the whole part uh, and then he saw yeah he's at his like old family like his old home family family's home or whatever which is really strange at least at yeah the they do explain it later because like nobody bought this house like yeah, the, the landscaping is like up still to date fine, yeah. all of the stuff is inside and they, this guy never like went it's been back. around for 25 ish years he never went back he didn't decide to just live there himself at some point like why well, then, why I mean, not i don't know i mean if all the furnishing and books yeah, everything and everything there. is there like why not just fucking live there that's what well who raised him after that did they say uh, was it they the might have F. Said... Murray Abraham, Will Scarlet? But then no, because he, he was supposed to be dead. He's too. supposed to be dead. That's why I was like, who? Like Morph is like his advisor type of person, but I don't know who actually like physically raised him. Okay. I don't know. Th- that's I don't know. Whatever. And then I was like, where did he go after his father died? He has no family. Yeah, he and it just orphan, seems he has but like he all had the, access his... to money. Yeah, but the, a seven-year-old can't, like, start 
you know, but like no aunts, raising uncles, themselves up. no grandparents or anybody yeah. in this like financially. It's like he, he relied family. on these friends of his father. Right. And like, aren't there like wills? Wouldn't the house have been like willed to him? I don't know. I mean, we're, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't quite make sense in this, but there's a lot of overly technical stuff and then a lot of things that just don't seem like they would make sense even if they were explained to you. Um, anyway, he has an ass little money now. and <laughs> But he doesn't care. He wants to, like, ruin these people who killed his father by talking to him and, you know, triggering the heart attack, I guess. Uh, but also possibly the robbery. We don't. I don't think we ever really know who sends the letter either. The no. pri- the private eye says that it's like someone like middle aged woman because of like the perfume and like the way the typing was. But done. But that could have been. Um, I don't know. I got like Sarah Wilkins doing that. I got the I got the impression that it was one of um, F. Marie Abraham's nurses, one of Will Scarlet's nurses. Oh. Like on behalf of Will, sort okay. of like trying to make amends. Because when he arrived at Will Scarlet's place, because he finds out that Will Scarlet actually is alive, very you know shortly after this whole thing with the condo thing, um, one of the nurses just kind of like stands and stares at him, mm. and I got the impression they're trying to say that this was the person who contacted him, mm. but I don't know for sure. Another you know un untied, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Will Scarlet looks weird. Goes, yeah, well, yeah, we go to Will Scarlet's house, and I, what was wrong with him? I don't know. They don't explain. Like, okay, he's supposed to be dead, but he's not. But he's definitely very close to death. Like, he apparently, like, faked his he's own like, death for a specific reason and went reclusive into this Canadian lake house, which looks really cool. Yeah. I like the house. But he's, like, sitting there in a wheelchair in, in like a, glass a glass case. case. And then I was like, what is he, Bubble Boy? Is he, like, allergic to, like, air and everything? I don't know, but his, like, skin has, like, leopard spots, basically. Yeah, he looks like he has leprosy. I have no idea. He, he, was... he His skin is all gray, but he's got, like, pock marks or whatever all, all over his body. Yeah, like, someone took, like, a magic marker black, like, painted his whole body white... And then took a magic marker and just sort of, like, sketched on his face. And that's his disease. That, but they don't even say what he has. No. <laughs> I've never... Then, I've, like, nothing <laughs> this in real intera- life And then that his interaction with like Will Scarlet was so weird. <laughs> this is where I was like, this is getting, like absurd i don't even know there are some yeah there are some very absurd moments just <laughs> and then, the, yeah yeah they make this plan and you know well you know will scarlet can't touch that's why i was like he's bubble boy because he can't like touch or do anything and apparently he smells awful like yeah yeah but stuff. then yeah i mean how are these um i don't know how are these nurses taking care of him or whatever i don't know <laughs> Uh, like 24 hour care he has a whole team but they make amends will i guess you know had betrayed him and was working with the we we should probably mention martin y'all is like the head of the corporation played by christopher Plummer. he's you know like the head of the quote-unquote evil organization that stole from the dad and whatever he's morph's boss and 
Will Scarlet used to work with him, and he feels bad about it. We find out that Will Scarlet was the benefactor all along, which is also probably a reason why he wrote the letter with the help of his nurses. Um, and they make amends, and they take, you know, they put together this plan to take down Martin Yall. Mm-hmm. And then they do an air handshake to air commemorate handshake. the deal. I was like, is this real? Like, what is happening? <laughs> it seems like something that and should be they're, like they're in trying, a comedy. Yeah, I was like... Is this meant to be serious? Because I am cracking up. I don't know. <laughs> like, like it's supposed done... to be like a heart to heart between these two men. Yep. But we're cracking up over this air handshake. <laughs> it lasted too long. It I don't know. Long. Like, they, they could have just given like knowing glances or like nodded heads and be yeah. like, okay, we are in this deal. I'm trying to think of like what would be better. Like okay, like you could put like his hand on the glass. Like no, like that's, they touch that's also hands like... through. That's from like the glass also cheesy and weird yeah i don't know like i mean they're not thumbs up like yeah man let's do this shit i don't but yeah know. i know i just nod or just cut the scene like you don't need don't to have even, don't or just yeah just nod at each other like yeah we are now in agreement and say, okay let's do this and see he'll be like okay <laughs> and then i'm gone oh air handshake uh, if there's like a gif of that <laughs> i doubt it yeah. I mean, it's hard to find like anything for this movie yeah it is tough because one is just called money right you google <laughs> you, you money go on IMDb, you have to add like money 1991 in order to find it yeah it's like third down the list because there's other movies that have the word money in the yeah. title including other people's money which i think this is better than <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would watch this over. <laughs> but I mean, I still, I still find I'm. I was like more entertained by millions than this. Yeah, I understand that for sure, because that had something. I don't know. It had the other parts of the James Bond equation. I think. Yeah, this I was like, I don't like. I am beyond confused on what's going on, and then the stuff that I was trying to pay attention to and really understand was making me laugh, and then when it got like good. It ended. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'll say that I think the acting is stronger in this than in Millions, though. Um, I like Derek Stoltz's character. I I like his performance. I think he is quite charming in this. Um, Christopher Plummer is, you know, he can play anything, right? So he's good as a villain. And F. Murray Abraham <laughs> as Will Scarlet. <laughs> Will yeah. Scarlet, isn't that like that's a or that's a Robin Hood. Robin Hood, isn't it? I don't know. There's someone on in Robin Hood. Yeah, there is a Will Scarlet in Robin Hood. Oh, I I bet you that's intentional then. Uh like you know, because he's robbing from the rich guy and giving. Because I was like, well, I was th- I was thinking like, about um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, because. It's Will Scarlet O'Hara. Okay. By, but I know there's a Will Scarlet. And then, but I was like, is he named Will Scarlet for a reason? It could be to sort of indicate that. I don't know. Um, so. Oh, Will- not, I'm sorry. Robin Hood Men in Tights. What am I thinking? Prince, Prince of Thieves is what we're going to be watching at some yeah. point. That's Christian Slater is Will Scarlet in that. I remember that. Okay. But I, I so, was thinking, so I was Will thinking, Scarlet O'Hara was for Men in Tights. Men in tights. tights. <laughs> That's how long it's been since I watched Robin Hood as no, well. I, I, I did was, not catch it. I was, I was thinking of Men in Tights, but then I said Prince of Thieves. And I'm like, no, we're going to be watching Prince of Thieves at some point. But that's a serious movie. 
And that's Christian Slater. I know that. And no O'Hara at the end. There's no O'Hara. The Will Scarlet O'Hara is, you know, a play play on on words or names to be funny in Robin Hood Men in Tights. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I was like, wait a second. That's not Prince of Thieves. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, let's let's quickly glance through the last third because it's really not super interesting. Basically, a bunch of bankers time up, team up with them, including this other woman Anna, who's like really high on the credits list, but you know shows up at the last fifteen minutes of the movie, um, working on stock buybacks and like trying to basically take down the corporation by buying a whole bunch of stock and then like forcing the original owners to buy them at a higher price and basically making them bankrupt or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. It, that's the the other weird part about that is that this pi character mark tells frank that there's a traitor within his ranks but i don't think we did we ever learn who the traitor was no i didn't they learn anything seem like... from this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair they're making it seem like one of the three bankers was like working against him secretly but like i don't everything worked fine I don't yeah. know, like, whatever there's a whole bunch of like in <laughs> industry whatever bullshit and then basically stuff starts crashing down on martin y'all the nazi stuff comes into play and they like remove him from the company or some shit and like he's in this big boardroom meeting with a whole bunch of people and uh that's when they basically say you know you're done for because all this nazi work came to light morph evidently was a ss officer and was smuggled out of the country to work with y'all and like he's been harboring a you know criminal uh because of that and so i don't know and then at some point they just let him walk out of the boardroom mm-hmm. alone and frank is is there to talk to him and he's like oh i should like i should have known it was you're doing frank I don't know. Like, of course he would have known right. it was his doing, because you said earlier in the movie that you knew it was his doing. But, like, no one, like, goes after him? Like, you're basically like, accusing him of fraud and crimes and all this other stuff and embezzlement and all these other things that are going on, and you just, like, let him walk away? And, like, you have this long conversation with Frank in the hallway, and nobody from that boardroom comes out to, like, come Damn. after you, yeah. ever? Well, not until they meet up in that church or whatever, wherever they were. It was just outside of the boardroom. What, oh, like, it I don't, like It was just like a fancy-ass ba- yeah, oh. fancy building. <laughs> okay, it looked like a... Because it was just like elaborately designed. Yeah, but I mean, that's I probably it was just, a church. Yeah, that's probably just Europe or whatever. That was Geneva, I think, right? Oh, uh, okay. Most likely. But yeah, the Frank and y'all have this long conversation... And then it's a really stupid, unsatisfying ending where... Yeah, Martin pulls out a gun. And I'm like, oh my god, something's gonna happen now. (laughs) But then you see them, like, have a disagreement. And Frank just walks away. And as Frank is walking away, you hear a gun shoot. So you were assuming that Martin killed himself? I think so. And then we see Frank take a gun and drop it on the ground because apparently his intention was to possibly also kill, kill him but he didn't have to so he just drops the gun on the ground and walks away in the end yeah the that's that's it and i was like but wait i need now i need to know more but i don't know yeah I, I, honestly in that scene the music did a lot of the heavy lifting like the dialogue wasn't all that intriguing and i don't remember a damn word of what was said 
Yeah, but, but th- that's like tense music, and we know that's Ennio Morricone. Did Ennio Morricone did the the music in this, and there's like one recurring theme that's repeated, you know, yeah. a lot uh, that I liked a lot. You know, it's fun. It's like '60s cop funky procedural, right? Music. So that recurring theme was good, and then in this scene and certain key scenes, the music does a lot of the heavy lifting that the dialogue can't handle, but. I don't know. This is such a weird one. It's all over the place. And I think it's because they're probably just trying to... I don't know how long the book was, but I think they're just trying to cram way too much into this thing. Yeah, if it's based off of the three books that this guy wrote. Yeah. I mean, because, like I say, yeah, the ending, like, he is basically taking down all of them. Yeah. Including the head of the organization. So where could you go from there? So I assume it's all finally (laughs) going to casting crew it's it's an adventure <laughs> uh steven hilliard stern uh because there's no awards to be mentioned in this one what a surprise um steven hilliard stern also credited mostly as stephen h stern emmy nominated producer for an episode of biography that long-running series mm-hmm. uh he's also done the black fox tv movie series starring christopher reeves and tony todd okay which i've never heard of but that sounds like an intriguing pairing uh, he also did the. T- he did a lot of TV movies like Breaking the Surface, The Greg Louganis Story, uh, Murder in Space, which I have on VHS if you ever want to watch it. Uh, Camp Grizzly. Uh, he also directed Mazes and Monsters, which is notorious for being the uh, Tom Hanks starring Dungeons and Dragons, you know, warning movie from like the early 1980s. Like okay. one of Tom Hanks's, if not his very first role, one of his very first acting roles. Um, he directed that. Uh, the two writers, there's really no other credits. These are the only credits. Uh, but Larry Peterson has a self-written bio on IMDb that says he has completed 18 different feature screenplays. Maybe just none of them have been produced, or he's just not credited on any of them. Eric Stoltz as Frank Simbali. He is a Emmy-nominated director for My Horrible Year. Actually, a daytime Emmy. Golden Globe nominee for his work in The Mask, not the Jim Carrey one, the earlier one. Spirit nominated for Pulp Fiction, which is kind of a surprise the one to that see. that he was in? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, he's Golden Globe nominated for uh, Mask, the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant he directed it. No, no, sorry. Oh, okay. Only, right. The only directing nomination is the Daytime Emmy for My Horrible Year, the children's program. Oh, okay, yeah. He's also Tony nominated for a production of Our Town. Uh, he will be in uh, another 1991 movie that's not on our list, A Woman at War. Uh, he's also been in stuff like Some Kind of Wonderful, uh, Pastimes for Richmond High, Fly 2, Surf 2, Anaconda, Chicago Hope, Rules of Attraction. He also does a lot of TV directing. He's done a lot of episodes of Madam Secretary, Glee, and Bull. Um, so he's getting into the directing side of things right now. Miriam Dabo, who played Sarah Walkins, was credited as a big name on the box art yeah there. she was in it for like five minutes yeah she wasn't in it all that long but i'm assuming it's because she was a bond girl she was right. kara milavi i don't Malavi, i don't know the in the living daylights the timothy dalton bond one of the dalton bonds um she's also going to be in 1991's immortal sins so we'll see her there she's also been in something is out there um savage hearts and american affair time lock and also shoot fighter fight to the death which mm. i think is just a fun title the person who played the P.I., Mark Lavater, uh, is Bruno Kramer, who is a very well-known actor in France. Uh, a lot of these actors are from France, and so I'm not going to go over a whole lot of them because 
I don't know what's come over here and what's not. It's, yeah. That's the tough part with the foreign movies. But he's been in stuff like Is Paris Burning? He's been in Sorcerer. Many, many projects since the 1950s. He's been in 54 TV movies as his character Magret. Magret? I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but, you know, a very, very well-known person over there. Uh, Mario Adorf played the Turk. He is a Bambi Award Lifetime Achievement Award winner in Germany. It's like one of their higher awards in that country, and he's been active since the 1950s. So he's very well known in that country, just not so much to us. Uh, F. Murray Abraham, Golden Globe and Oscar winner for Amadeus, Emmy nominated for Homeland. Uh, he's currently being seen on Moon Knight, the, the, the TV series on Disney Plus, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, Mimic whole bunch of other stuff we can talk more about his credits later because he's going to be in three more 1991 movies mobsters eye of the widow and by the sword christopher Plummer is also going to be in a whole lot of 1991 movies that we haven't seen yet uh firehead young catherine with uh anna kenicus who played anna lupino uh rockadoodle he's in rockadoodle and also the first circle he's an oscar winner for beginners uh nominated for the last station and all the money in the world. Um, so yeah, we'll get into him more later as well. And then I also want to mention, uh, brief pausing on the credits of my last little mention here, this guy named Eric Richter, he was in the boardroom meeting and we saw him in a couple scenes. And he played by Arthur Grosser. He kind of looked like Donald, Donald Sutherland to me. Okay. I don't know if you kind of remember that guy. He like had glasses and he was sort of like the accountant type guy. Um, he's been acting since the early 1970s. He's done some voices for like the Assassin's Creed games, uh, and, and, you know, just a bunch of whole little bit parts. This is probably one of his bigger roles on the non-voice acting side. But, uh, he's also a professor of physical chemistry in Montreal, as well as an actor. And he's also an author of cookbooks about culinary alchemy. So he's got a nice little wide range of talents there. And he could go as a Donald Sutherland impersonator if he wanted to, and in my opinion. Uh, and I'll let you talk about the author <laughs> as we get into the next spot. That's all I have for casting crew. We can go on to true crime and pop culture. Yeah. So this movie was you know, released the same day as Delicatessen, which was April 17th, 1991, which was a Wednesday. And a lot of the stuff that we talked about that happened... I don't even think anything happened on that day, but, you know, TV and music-wise is going to be the same, except I'm going to talk about the last five. Yeah, we talked about the we did top the top, five. We did the top five movie. on the billboard, but I'll do the last five. But first, uh, so I have two crimes. So I looked up what was going on in France in April 1991. And I found an article, it was even on the Chicago Tribune. And, I mean, it was kind of hard to find, you know, English articles. Even about, you know, the author, too. Yeah. Didn't have a lot of crossover. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot, but I found a couple things. So, on the in this um, article that was for the Tribune, it was November of 1991. And starting in... April 1991, there was a f- infected blood scandal that happened in France. Okay. 
It, so, France's infected blood scandal began April 1991 when a doctor and journalist, Anne-Marie Kesteret, published an article in the weekly magazine called L'Avement du Jeudi, which is like the Thursday event, proving that the National Center of Blood Transfusion knowingly distributed blood products contaminated with HIV to hemophiliacs in 1984 and 1985, causing a multinational outbreak of HIV and hepatitis C. Hmm. It estimated that 6,000 to 10,000 hemophiliacs were infected in the U.S. alone. In France, it was 4,700 people were contaminated and over 300 died. Others impacted, oh, other impacted countries included Canada, Iran, Iraq, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Portugal, and the UK. And there was a loss, uh, this, the background on this is like interesting. And on January of 1985, a multinational healthcare company of Abbott Labs sought authorization to sell equipment needed for blood testing. And the response to the demand was delayed as the government was waiting for a rival French test to be released. So they continued to use this old unheated product in 1985 while the heated stock was available. I'm not sure what the difference is between heated and non-heated. Right. (laughs) Me neither. It's also like, that's a lot of people. So, I mean, I don't know anything about how the blood... Transmission Trans- stuff. Yeah. I didn't know it cross borders either. I, I, no, I me assumed neither. that it would just sort of stay in the country, but like, do they just pool all the blood in like a giant like vat or something like they that? Didn't that that's even how say. it got. I looked further into this, and in 1999, the former socialist prime minister Laurent Fabius and former social affairs minister Georgina Dufois and former health minister Edmund Herve, Hervé, I think were charged with manslaughter manslaughter, and the only one that was found guilty was Edmund Hervé and, but he received no sentence hmm. the other two were acquitted Dr. M. Goretta I don't know any of these people but the director of National Blood Center was sentenced to four years in prison and became known as the symbol of blood scandal among the French And after all this, the blood scandal, neither scientists nor governors were fully trusted. Measures have been taken in order to bring back public trust, such as forcing regulators to replace a consensus model of making decisions with a new model named deliberately transparent one in Europe. And this new model included new ingredients to encourage a greater public participation in policy-making decisions. It requires regulators to be more transparent and also to take more precautionary measures in European countries. That's, I never heard any of that stuff. Me neither. That's amazing that that hasn't. There was a blood scandal. That crossed many countries. Oh, yeah. And has affected a lot. I'm shocked. And then. That's a documentary I would want to watch. Right. Or, yeah, I mean, I don't know why no one, like, it There's, hasn't been spoken about since. Well, I mean, probably in France quite a Maybe. bit. Maybe. Since that's where like it originated. Like here, but... they, they probably don't 
bring it up. But yeah, Even it, though it the majority well. of the people that were infected were like here in the U.S. It yeah. was like a- so then now I'm moving on to the author of the book Money. His name is Paul Lou Solitzer. He also he, has a small role as Mendo in oh. the movie as well. He does make a cameo appearance. Okay. So, okay, he, well, just to get a little background on him, he was a French financier, and then he became an author. But when he turned 17, he was already a self-made millionaire. And he used his financial experience and knowledge to write these books, and then, you know, related to the business world. And he wrote, you know, a lot of novels. It almost sounded like a little bit of this story was autobiographical because his father may, died uh, when he was, when yeah, he was he's, 10. Yeah, because he's a self-made and he's millionaire. Like his, yeah, and yeah, so like he has lost his father at a young age and very young millionaire, CEO by 21, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and then I found, so then later on, I found like three or four articles, but I, I think I just pulled the most recent one because there was a lot about this incident i guess and he also did comics did he do the comics or were they just based off of his stuff oh okay so three of his novels were adapted into comics so and there was it it was the green knight so maybe that's what i was you know the green king so those became comics so maybe i got that confused or maybe that trilogy is called like money cash fortune maybe that's called like the green king it's like you know like the those three books compiled right. into this the green king trilogy or something yeah I don't know. maybe so i'm just moving into his legal affairs and this is an article that was in april 2009 from france24.com it's judgment date set for an angola arms trafficking trial and in october 2008 Eight, the Angola Angola Gate trial commenced in Paris, in which Solitzer was indicted. By the decision of the con- Correctional Tribunal, he was condemned for mis- misuse of corporate assets and given fifteen months in prison with a fine of a hundred thousand euros, which is what like a hundred twenty thousand dollars. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, nothing for him. <laughs> This conviction led to his exclusion from the National Order of Merit in November 2012. In 2009, he published Angola Gate, The Chronicles of a State Scandal, which had been written day by day during the process from October 2008 to March 2009. So he wrote a book about his own trial. Trafficking, yeah, yeah of, so, of weapons. Yeah, so, so illegal sale of weapons, right? Right. It was during the nineties, and there was like forty. So there was forty-two defendants, and that included him. Okay. So it was um. Ah, there's so, uh, a lot of these people. I don't know any of these people. <laughs> the son of late President Francois Mitterrand, mm-hmm. Jean Christophe, served as an African advisor to his father he faces one year in jail for allegedly accepting millions of euros in consulate fees on the arms and deals between 1993 and 1998 and somehow i don't know how paul lou got into this 
and pros- prosecutors say millions of dollars were skimmed off to bribe senior French and Angolan figures, including President Jose Eduardo dos Santos. The arms sales began with socialist Mitterrand, was president in 1993, but continued until 1998, three years after conservative Jacques Chirac, Chirac's election. So the arsenal was 420 tanks, 150,000 shells, 170,000 anti-personal mines, 12 helicopters, and six warships shored up Dos Santos' regime during its vicious bush war against rebels. So yeah, the questions we have about where did this helicopter full of gold come from? (laughs) It's like, don't, don't worry about it. It's just from, you know war criminals in another country don't worry about it right <laughs> okay and then moving on to the billboard 100 the bottom five um number 100 is the first time by service this was this has been in the top five it's been on the charts for 25 weeks and it was number one at some point mm-hmm. like earlier in the year because I remember we talked about this song and I I know this song and we've put it on the website before yeah. <laughs> number 99 which amused me it was Deep Deep Trouble the Simpsons mm. song that was um, six weeks on the chart and it peaked at number 69 that's Gosh, that it's amazing that an album based off of like the first year of a cartoon right. got well, I mean, such yeah. popularity. And, like and across... not just do the Bartman, but like another song from that. Right. Because yeah, then there was like wasn't the Bartman like top five in the UK? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, you know, all around the world. I listen to that cassette on the bus rides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And number 98 is Funk Boutique by the Cover Girls. They are just another freestyle girl group from the late 80s, early 90s. They have other songs like Show Me, but I don't really know if you know who they are. No. And uh, number 97 is If You Needed Somebody by Bad Company. And... That was 24 weeks in the chart, and it peaked at number 16. That song is just like a typical whatever song. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and number 96 is High Wire by the Rolling Stones, and I've never heard this song, mm. but uh, that was seven weeks on the chart, and it peaked at f- number 57. Yeah, it's not a... It's huge... not a well-known... No song it was like on one of their albums from the early 90s it was kind of like when everything like i mean you know they've been popular for like 70 years i have no idea <laughs> at this point so it, i mean by the time in the in the third ni- 1990s it was just like what another yeah just extra like, random song that was on the radio for like a few weeks and then it went away something to use to Schedule more tour dates. Yeah. All right, so on to rankings and ratings we go. On your one to five star scale, where are you going to put money? I'm going to give this a one. Oh, okay. Why did you think I was going to do higher? <laughs> I thought you were going to do it too. I thought, oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I gave millions a one, and 
this is worse than millions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to to me, I don't know. Oh yeah, like I said, there's there's parts of this that are worse than millions, and there's parts of millions that are worse than this. I think the filmmaking is stronger in this. I think the acting is decent in this, but um, yeah, different different vibes of basically the same type of content on my zero to four star scale. Uh, I'm probably gonna say like one and a half. I, I really didn't hate it at all, but it it was a little bit too confusing and too. Um, haphazard like the structure was yeah just everywhere i wanted more i wanted more callbacks i wanted more characters to like enter the fray uh every movie every movie is worth watching once would you watch this again no over other people's money yes uh over millions no flip a coin for me (laughs) um no i mean yeah there's gonna be better type of movies like this uh yeah this this is not ideal (laughs) so um it's not terrible at least i don't think so i think you think it's probably terrible um i mean the parts that were interesting to me were the parts that like were funny i don't know (laughs) which are not many they're not meant to be funny but and then the ending but then it ended weird i i liked when he actually tried to connect with different people. He had a couple scenes with the Turk where he's actually having conversations with them. I liked the scenes with him and and Sarah. I liked a couple of the scenes with him, you know, the, the scene with him and Will, where they're, you know, where he's connecting as a person. And that's very few and far between. So, um, yeah, you can probably skip a second viewing on this. If you out there do want to watch Money, as of this recording in March 2022, it's available on DVD or YouTube. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies, along with show notes and more. Next week, to end off April... In April showers, we got Rolling Thunder, which is available on the Surf Network and maybe VHS. We will see you then.